0: This is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Sustainability reporting is something that both financial statement preparers and investors have been discussing for years, and it's expected to become even more of a hot-button issue in the U.S. as a new administration focused on climate change takes charge of capital markets oversight. Now, it's fair to say that in Europe, the debate regarding issue reporting and practices are more evolved. There is already a movement to adopt a practice known as extinction accounting, where companies report on the impact they have on biodiversity. In this episode, I speak with Professor Jill Atkins of Sheffield University's Management School. Professor Atkins is a leading researcher in the field of extinction accounting. And in the discussion, she helps define its practice and is important to the ESG debate. So. Professor Atkins, maybe I could start off, you know, the very broad, very basic question is, could you describe the concept of extinction accounting?
1: Okay, well, um, I suppose to start with, it's a development from many other forms of reporting, which are currently in existence and in practice. Mainly, I would say accounting for biodiversity and biodiversity reporting, which has been developing and evolving significantly over the last 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I obviously am an academic, so I do research and I've done a lot of research over the past 10, 15 years or so into accounting for biodiversity, looking at what companies are reporting on biodiversity information. And what became very apparent to me was that um, it's not urgent enough. It doesn't give the urgency of the issues that we're facing. And the concept of biodiversity is, is quite vague. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about biodiversity. Okay, a company says it's enhancing biodiversity, improving, conserving biodiversity. What does that actually mean? And one of the things that comes out when you look at reporting is some companies focusing on species. So Mm -hmm. really extinction accounting is about accounting for species and the impacts on species, um, specific species, but also the contribution of those species to ecosystems. And the concept of extinction accounting um, very much is to communicate the urgency of the issues that we are facing as a world, as businesses, as as members of that that world population, basically how it's impacting and can impact potentially on businesses, on financial markets, and on um, financial financial risk, basically. Mm. So extinction accounting very simply is a reporting framework by which companies or, other, or any organization actually at any level can report on what they are doing to prevent species loss to reduce um, decline of biodiversity, uh, what actions they're taking, who they're partnering with. So it's very much partnership reporting, uh, reporting on working with NGOs, WWF, etc., mm-hmm. and analysing and reflecting on the um, success or failure of those actions and then reporting basically on how the, the organisation is going to continue to um, reform to improve and to prevent species loss. So it's very much species accounting, if that makes sense.
0: It does. So I, I guess a follow-up question to that would be: um, How does it um, differ from, or and what are similarities to traditional counting methods? In, uh, or is it just basically taking traditional counting methods and applying it to species and and and? Um, those issues?
1: Yeah, I mean it doesn't it's, it doesn't differ from accounting. One of the big issues in this area obviously is that a lot of people feel we shouldn't be accounting for nature. at all, certainly not in a financial way. So what we've tried to do is produce a framework which which attempts to follow a sort of middle ground. Hmm. So instead of financializing species, for example, it's more about trying to, in a narrative form of reporting, explain how that species um, and its potential absence, because that's what we're talking about with species extinction, obviously, could impact the bottom line of a company, how it um, may affect the um, supply chain, for example, look at the financial materiality. So it's it's consistent with um, traditional reporting, as it mm. were, particularly negative reporting, I would say, but also we encourage a hybrid form of reporting. So quantitative, some financial, some narrative, maybe even um, pictorial representation in certain cases. So it's very much consistent with particularly, I would say, integrated reporting frameworks. And um, the framework would slot into any any form of account or report, whether it's an integrated report, a sustainability report, um, a GRI type report. It's an extension of a lot of those things, I would say.
0: So that would, you know, get to my next question is, is like, how does, do you feel this fits into the larger uh, debate and thoughts and uh, structures around ESG frameworks?
1: Yeah, I mean, ESG for me, um, ESG started as an investor facing issue. so. My main research has always been in responsible investment and the evolution of the institutional investor activism around um, environmental and social issues. So really, ESG started as a concept in relation to investor engagement around 2005 and 2006, and it seems to now be moving into the reporting space, which is quite interesting. You know, we've moved away from sustainability reporting now to a type of ESG reporting and you know, what do we actually mean by ESG reporting or well, environmental, social and governance, but something like species loss and biodiversity falls under E for mm-hmm. environmental, but it also actually falls under S because of the implications for society, for community, for social welfare. And also of course, into G because the project I'm working on at the moment with practitioners in London is extinction governance. And looking at how the whole governance and corporate governance framework um, needs to incorporate issues of climate change, environment and species loss. So I think ESG is one way of describing how we're trying to incorporate these issues into the heart of corporate reporting and corporate governance, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It does. And I guess that begs a question like, I'm sorry if this is a naive question, but... um, You know, who is the audience for this? Right. So um, is it the investor community? Is it the, is it governments? Is it, I mean, how, I mean, obviously investors are um, always an audience for any type of financial reporting, but is it something they're asking for? Um, so I'll, I'll ask, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, very much so. I mean, what has happened particularly in the last 18 months has been what I would say is a, a veritable explosion of interest among the institutional investor community worldwide in biodiversity-type information, ecosystem information. So the book we're working on at the moment, um, hopefully going to finish over the next month or so, brings in practitioners from the investment community Um, in communities in the UK, but also South Africa, Italy, Europe, um, contributions from people working in the US, all looking at how investors are now trying to struggle with how to incorporate biodiversity and species issues into their assessments of companies. And obviously the reason they're interested is because there are financial implications and certainly implications in terms of value creation or potentially um value destruction Mm -hmm. i mean the best example which is what we started with um in the book we published in 2016 is is bees and pollinators right and that's really an easy handle to understand why these issues are so crucial so whether you're looking at the us context or the european context there is a massive decline in bee populations for all sorts of reasons, multifactor reasons, whether it's pesticides, insecticides, agricultural, uh, monoagriculture, agricultural use of agrochemicals, habitat loss, lack of biodiversity, just loads of different reasons for why bees are on decline. And until really we did the work in 2015, 2016, there hadn't been a connection made between investor risk, financial risk, And bee decline. Mm -hmm. But I mean, to me, it's really obvious that the whole of the agricultural industry depends on pollination. And if you don't have pollination because you don't have any insects, then you've got a serious problem with your supply chain. So it's very easy to see those types of species and the immediate financial link. And if you extrapolate that to other ecosystems, to ecosystem um, survival, more generally and to other species, it's very easy to make financial material case. So investors particularly are recognising this now. And, you know, it's quite established that climate change is now a severe, serious issue for investment communities and for investment risk analysis and for analysts and the financial community. And now they are starting to focus on biodiversity. So there's there's a real change happening, and um, significant changes within the investment community in terms of their engagement with companies on biodiversity-related issues, particularly.
0: Do, has there been any um, preparers or companies that have actually um, put uh, uh, you know these sort of methods into practice yet, or is it sort of conceptual?
1: There are lots of companies which report quite detailed information on species and on biodiversity, which is increasing again. So what I've seen particularly over the last 10 years is a real shift in focus of environmental reporting, particularly. The the extinction accounting framework really is our representation of best practice, I would say. Hmm. So... For example, we we did some work on accounting for the rhinoceros, believe it or not,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, by South African companies. And when I started that project, I assumed there'd be very little in terms of any sort of reporting. And actually, there's a lot. So a lot of financial companies in South Africa report on um, rhinoceros conservation and what they are contributing in terms of financially material significant amounts to conservation of rhinos, which probably surprises you. I don't know.
0: Right? No, it does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, and we found other examples. I mean, ridiculous example, actually, of um, reporting on Canadian toads by a mining <laughs> company and how, in my view, that reporting represented best practice because it was what we would call emancipatory. And this is one of the main elements of our extinction accounting framework is that it needs to be transformational. Hmm. So, when you talk about audience, yes, investors are audience, there are stakeholders are audience uh, for this form of reporting. But the point of the reporting framework is not just to satisfy readers and audience and to provide information, it's also to be transformational. Right. And this goes back very much to the idea of integrated reporting, that you know, by having an integrated approach to ESG issues – um that results in integrated reporting, but integrated reporting is based upon integrated thinking. So by producing an extinction reporting framework, an organization which reports has to also integrate those issues into the strategic part of the, the business. So you know the the, the reporting itself is transformational. Mm. If that makes
0: sense? You no, know, it does.
3: Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes.
0: So in any sort of ESG um, framework the, the the main you know f- feedback you get from some from some preparers is the resources it takes to put in place right the expertise and i would assume with these sort of presses uh, where you're talking about species very detailed analysis uh, very scientific analysis um, you're, you're going to need a lot of like Scientific resources, non traditional um, resources within the, the finance and accounting function. What do you say to that, that? That, you know, in order to do this, I'm going to need to hire, maybe again, in our naive questions, but I'm going to need to hire a, a species scientist, a biodiversity scientist in order to do my financial reports now. What, what's your answer to that?
1: Well, I suppose um, really from a risk management and internal control perspective, any costs which are associated with risk reduction and um, risk mitigation are always significant. Mm. So it's a matter of actually redefining these issues, not as something which is ethical or nice to do or reputational just, but
2: Mm.
1: actually defining them as serious financial risks to the organisation. So, for example, we've looked at pollinators, insects. Um, you know, if you're an agricultural company, or you're part of a supply chain, you need to ensure that those pollinators are not disappearing.
2: Right.
1: I know in Harvard, a few years ago, they did actually come up with an electronic bee Which pollinate, but you know that's all very well, but they're very expensive, and you need millions of them. So you know, when you when you identify financial risk, then any costs associated, not just with the reporting you see, but actually with the management of those risks in the supply chain, um, are costs which are you know essential, really. Right. You know, I mean, if you're looking at reporting on climate change and you know that you have to report on emissions and you have to report on, you know, it's GHG or whatever, then that's part of the costs of running the organisation. Mm. And I think that gradually, you know, it is becoming obvious that, um, you know, protecting biodiversity, protecting the impacts of uh, business operations on biodiversity or ecosystems and on species are gradually becoming seen as part of you know, everyday business. So they're not costs that are unnecessary, they're costs that are crucial to any risk management and in- internal control system, I would say.
0: So, I mean, from your perspective, is this something that is being um, either um, addressed, adopted, taken up more in Europe than in the U.S., or how how would you describe that?
1: I don't know exactly what the situation is in the U.S. I think there are some leading thinkers in the U.S., Um, but I would say that traditionally uh, there's a greater take-up of these issues, or there's been certainly a greater awareness and development on um, environmental and social reporting you know, in the UK, you're looking back right. to 1970s and 1980s when these issues started to be seen, not particularly biodiversity, but certainly environmental reporting. You know, there is a long history um, and I think, I think it would be fair to say that some of the European institutions, particularly Italy, for example, um, and a lot of the London institution investors have been dealing with these issues relating to biodiversity now for quite some time. Um, you know, thought leaders, I wouldn't want to identify particular institutions, but there are several. I mean, for example, if we look at Hermes, they did a lot of work around pollinators, um, produced a pollinator engagement strategy around 2016. And we were involved in that with our book on bees and our bee reporting framework and also looking at, you know, the importance of pollinators for investment institutions. So yeah, that's a good five years ago now that we've been starting to look at those issues, particularly now you've got, of course, the SDGs as well, mm. you know, the sustainable development goals. Right. And two of those are focused entirely on biodiversity, you know, life on land and land, life in the oceans and in the seas. I mean, you only have to think about, um, you know, the seafood industry or the right. fishing industry to appreciate how, you know, extinctions or endangered species of fish and seafood, of which there are thousands, can affect those industries very significantly.
0: So that goes, yeah, that goes to my next question. I mean, there, from your perspective, you know, uh, are there any industries where this makes more sense or less sense, you know, um, or is it sort of should be applied across the board?
1: With a uh, species accounting, it's quite clear that any species you look at, there are different reasons and different arguments, and it's the same with industries. You know, it's impossible to define everything and to explain how every species affects every single industry,
2: mm.
1: but there are certain ones that I think obviously jump out. So, um, food, food sector,
2: right.
1: agriculture. As I've already said, you know you've got issues of pollinators, you've got issues of food supply, you've got issues of, you know, whether it's sea seafood or, or you know, land, and then of course uh, mass agriculture. I and mean, one of the areas where institutional investors are putting a lot of attention at the moment is engaging with the fast food industry. Mm. So you know McDonald's and um, fast food because of the way that. Livestock or animal protein, as it's called, is being produced in mass agriculture. Um, That's having a severe impact on biodiversity, um, habitat loss, deforestation. Mm. So these issues are now really at the top of the agenda for investment institutions when they're engaging with, with companies. So, you know, the food industry definitely... Obviously, if you're looking more at impact reporting and concerning um, yourself with how organisations report on their impacts on the environment, on biodiversity, then the mining industry is very
2: significant. Right.
1: And um, that can be financial, but a lot of it is obviously reputational. So, you know, does a company want to be associated with wiping out, you know, 30 species of monkey or Right, right. You know, 20 species of parrot, which does happen in impact statements, environmental impact statements. You've got pharmaceuticals. So we're not just talking about animals and insects. You know, flora as well as um, fauna are threatened. Mm
2: -hmm. We've
1: got a million species of flora and fauna around the world threatened with extinction, not just reduction in populations. And, you know, there are severe consequences for pharmaceutical companies, for example, cancer drugs, et cetera, tropical flowers, which are threatened with extinction. You know, I can go on. So I've got got colleagues who've been looking at, (laughs) you know, extinction accounting in the paper industry in Italy, you know, issues to do with trees, um, threatened with, you know, deforestation and extinction, which affects paper. You got tourism and eco tourism. You know, would you want to go to Africa and spend thousands of pounds right. going to see the big five when there's only the big three? You know, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs>
0: Let me ask you, sort of, a sort of, a, you know, a practical question. Uh, uh, as with any accounting method, how do you audit this? Is it auditable?
1: Well, this what- is a very interesting question, actually. Chris, because um, it's an area that I'm I'm wanting to do some research in. There's only least so much time. Mm. And, you know, one of the big issues with integrated reporting, which is, you know, the form of reporting that I'm particularly interested in, is auditing integrated reports. Right. So, you right. know, there are severe challenges for auditors, um, for assurers, to provide assurance on reporting, which is forward-looking, which is narrative, which is um, discursive. Mm -hmm. And the same types of problems apply to any type of environmental reporting, whether it's biodiversity or extinction accounting. So yes, it is a challenge. And I think as things are at the moment, um, there are specialist auditors, um, particularly external assessors, which can provide levels of assurance on information in this area. But it's something where there's going to have to be a lot of work and a lot of development. So I think that's a really interesting question. And it's something that we're looking at as part of our governance framework for extinction governance as well.
0: Right. So so are you hoping the end goal, I mean, I, I guess, and this is, you know, just coming from a pair point of view is, are you hoping this will be a voluntary industry wide um hey everybody, let's do this sort of thing, or do you see this more as a governmental requirement going forward?
1: I know about governmental requirements. I think that we are now moving towards a situation where not just um biodiversity, et cetera, but also climate change reporting is having to become mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, for lots of reasons, you know, obviously you've got ethical arguments which we're not even going to look at, but you know, because if you think about integrated reporting or any type of reporting now um, in the ESG sphere, companies have to report on anything which is financially material, whether it's an environmental issue or a social issue. If it's financially material to the organisation, it is mandatory to report that information right. already. Um, because of, of financial materiality and, as you say, connecting that to the auditors and assurance providers. So, you know, it's making that argument for particular types of species reporting for different organisations as soon as the connection is identified, which I say is easy when you look at bees and pollinators, but it wasn't five years ago. Right. So it's a matter of making those, those um, connections for the individual organisation assessing which species can lead to an ecosystem collapse, which could affect financially and materially the business operations for that organisation. Therefore, by default, anything relating to those species or ecosystem losses would be financially material and therefore is effectively mandatory in terms of reporting financial risk. Uh-huh. If you see what mean. So it's 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 already effectively mandatory to report on anything which has a financial materiality. I think the easiest example is, you know, we have two companies in the food sector in the UK, Tesco and Sainsbury's. And when I looked at their reporting on bees and pollinators and what they were doing to prevent pollinator loss about six years ago, Tesco was producing absolutely no reporting at all. Uh-huh. Whereas Sainsbury's was producing an enormous amount of reporting. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at those two companies and an investor analyst and say, well, this one's recognizing a material risk, this one isn't. Right. You know, so by default, you you need to have that sort of sensitivity, not just in reporting, but also in strategy and in risk management, I think.
0: So this is sort of the final and the sixty-four thousand dollar question <laughs> we want to think about is And this gets you touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, maybe get a little bit deeper into it. I mean, what do you say to preparers um, who are, you know, considering this but are hesitant about the the resources, the costs, the um, uh, the expertise in order to adopt these sort of practices?
1: Well, I would say that this is a issue for their risk management and internal control teams, very much so, as yeah. well as the, you know, the CFO. These are financial issues. I would say that um, if they're starting from the point of view that they think these things are irrelevant, then they're not irrelevant, um, and therefore, I would suggest getting advice. You know, yeah. approaching an NGO. Um, WWF other organisations there are so many specialists WWF has a financial arm now Um, or asking advice from institutional investors
2: Um,
1: there is an enormous amount of writing out there reports produced by um, institutional investment organisations on biodiversity you only need to do a a small search on Google um, to find lots and lots of documentation which will show what the financial aspects are of biodiversity loss. For example, one of the places to start is KPMG
2: mm-hmm.
1: produce a triannual survey of sustainability reporting. And the latest one came out just before Christmas mm-hmm. and they have highlighted biodiversity for the first time ever in that report and the importance of organisations focusing on biodiversity reporting. So, you know, this is, um, let's put it this way, if an organization isn't now considering putting resources into this, then they are going to be left behind and also face certain reputational issues as well, I would say.
0: uh, Just and and this is really the last question, but what you said brings up a a thought in my mind is like, what do you do? uh, I mean, as you said, you know, it it probably has more take up in um, regions outside the US, but in the US, you know, such a big market, and the, really the focus on quarterly reporting, right? And, and hitting those quarterly numbers, reporting those quarterly numbers. Um, how do you sort of address that cognitive distance between um, addressing the quarterly issues uh, that sometime reporting on something, a, a biodiversity issue that could happen 20, 30 years down the road? Or is that too well, I that,
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing. The 20, 30 years down the road is definitely not an issue now because, as I said at the beginning, the urgency of species loss is so significant. Mm-hmm. Um, the urgency at which we've got deforestation, we've got, um, you know, loss of habitat, and the the acceleration of species extinctions is really significant. So we're looking at a very short time scale actually. These these issues are really quite critical and urgent, I would say. Um, it's just as relevant for the US market. As I say, a lot of the fast food producers, etc., which are based in the United States, for example, mm. this is going to be a severe issue for livestock production. Right. Um, for agriculture across across America just as it is in other countries you know in fact a lot of the work we did originally with the bees and the pollinators was looking at the US um, environment and the commercial use of bees for example because commercial bee populations the hives that they millions of hives that they transport around the US every year for agricultural pollination are under threat because of B decline. Right. So you know it is an issue just as much. And we talk about quarterly reporting. I mean, really, the concept of extinction accounting is that it's it's very much dynamic. So it's a form of reporting which an organisation would be doing, updating on um, on action and strategy on a regular basis. And it is part of value creation. One of the things I wanted to say was, you know, a lot of the work I've done is on the concept of the chief value officer,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is integral to integrated reporting, working with um, Professor Mervin King in South Africa, yeah. who's also involved very much with the um, combining mm-hmm. and bringing together of the different competing frameworks, such as SASB in the US, and right. integrated reporting, GRI in these sustainability areas and the concept of the chief value officer, which um, potentially replaces the chief financial officers looking at at ways of retaining and improving value and creating Mm. value and avoiding value destruction, of course, which is what biodiversity is part of. So, you know, these these things are critical for short term, not just medium to long term um, strategy, I would say.
0: Great. Those are my questions. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much.
1: Lovely to talk to you.